0: Tuesday, September 19. David Grush. Blue books and black budgets. What Oppenheimer, Flatland, and the three-body problem have in common? Welcome to another episode of the WooFO pod, where we discuss the deeper secrets of the universe, one enigma at a time. I'm your host, Handel Farr. In this episode, we deep dive into the life of David Grush, the latest whistleblower turning the world's iPhone palm pilot gaze back toward the skies by exposing the undisclosed black budget programs that surround unidentified aerial phenomena. Hold on tight. Let's venture into the realm of the unseen and a little bit of woo. David Grush debuted on the world stage this year with an explosive testimony before US Congress. This testimony provided shocking insights into undisclosed programs and the acquisition of UAP technology, sparking fierce debates and speculation worldwide.
1: I have taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years while I was with the UAP task force and do my due diligence on the individual sharing it. Uh, This is because of these steps, I believe strongly Uh, in the importance of bringing this information before you i am driven by a commitment of both uh, to truth and transparency rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the united states constitution and protect the american people i'm asking congress to hold our government to this standard and thoroughly investigate these claims
0: david's journey into the realm of the unknown started in 2019 when he joined the uap task force a move that would set him on a path of revelation and eventually confrontation. Cleared to literally all relevant compartments, his role within these operations put him in a position of extreme trust and responsibility. Diligence to truth became apparent over the next four years as he took steps to corroborate the evidence presented to him, evidence that suggested the government was working on UAPs in secret without the knowledge of even the Congress. Uh, what special access programs cover this information and how is it possible that they have evaded oversight for so long?
1: Uh, I do know the names. Once again, I can't discuss that publicly and, and how they've evaded oversight. I, in a close setting, I can tell you the specific tradecraft use. All right.
0: A testimony grounded in a dedication to truth and transparency. David's revelations have the potential to reshape our understanding of humanity's place in the cosmos. These statements were met with many questions from the members of the Congress, probing deeper into the chilling revelations. In several remarkable exchanges with the Democratic and Republican senators, David further cements the gravity of his claims.
1: M- Ms. Burchard, if you'll yield, so just to be put a fine point on that, there's nothing that you're aware of that's above special access program classification. It, it's a misnomer that there's anything actually above top secret. Executive Order 13526 delineates the classification levels. Right, and, but I, I draw a point on that because we can have access mm-hmm. to, to those programs. And so the notion that we're not being given that access sort of defies our typical muscle memory here in Congress. Thank you, Mr. Burchard, I'll yield
2: back
0: to you. Grush's testimony before the Congress shines a harsh light on the world of secrecy, manipulation, and groundbreaking discoveries. David has since made reference several times, it is not as much his hope to propel disclosure as it is to shine a light on the egregious compartmentalization, overclassification, and black budgets that permeate all departments. During a candid interview with a Dutch newspaper, shortly after his testimony, Grush revealed concerns over potential collusion between countries in a race to unlock UAP technology, a technology that promises revolutionary, clean energy solutions that could save our planet. Quote, Climate change tech is being withheld. This technology has the potential to have a hugely positive impact on the entire ecosystem. Quote, We are one discovery away from being able to manipulate space-time. Quote, These revelations paint a picture of a world at the cusp of a new era, a period where the lines between science and fiction are now blurred. But how did Grush arrive at these groundbreaking assertions? This narrative takes us through the shadowy hallways of power and control, showing the involvement of notable figures all through history like Oppenheimer, Quote, Most of the people in the Manhattan Project were involved in founding the reverse engineering program. Quote, We find ourselves walking the thin line between conspiracy theory and possibility. David hints at the potential manipulation of space-time, holographic universes, and even theories that seem to resonate with the infamous Project Blue Book. He goes on to say, their technological advancements are not vastly superior to ours, they just took a different route. One of the ways that Grush explains the different route in the tech tree is that while we were focused on the human lust for destruction, they opted for propulsion. Could this be one of the driving factors to the unexplainable link? Countless reports of UAPs interfering with nuclear facilities have been documented all around the world. During the 1960s, it was a time where nuclear arms were a symbol of power, a deterrent that kept the world in a precarious balance during the Cold War. During this time, Robert Salas was a U.S. Air Force officer, and during this time, he bore witness to events that seemed to transcend the realm of conventional warfare and technology
2: uh i was on duty at what we call oscar flight um and it was on march 24th 1967 uh we were in an underground bunker it's a hardened site uh supposedly uh, able to withstand a nuclear blast upstairs uh, we never we never tried that <laughs> but anyway uh my commander, Fred Mywald and I were um, on duty. We had six guards upstairs. I was 60 feet underground, locked in. We couldn't uh, just open the, this huge door we had uh, and go upstairs anytime. Uh, we were locked in for a good reason uh, security reasons. Uh, sometime in the evening, I get a call from my topside guard. He's very calmly telling me he's seeing strange lights in the sky. Not only he, but his other uh, guards up there. Uh, uh, these lights he described as moving it very rapidly, stopping on a dime, reversing course, making 90-degree turns. And he said it was the strangest thing. He's never seen anything like it. They uh, had no engine noise.
0: Like Grush, Salas, a man with a military background, found himself face to face with something that would not just question the secrecy of the nation, but the very fabric of what we consider reality. Stationed at the Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, Salas recounts an incident in March 1967, where UFOs were not only sighted hovering over the missile silos, but were also allegedly responsible for tampering with the nuclear missiles, rendering them non-operational. It is known to actively jam a radar is an act of war. To render a nation's greatest defense capability inoperable is unfathomable. Salas hypothesized that these sites are not just targets due to their military significance, but possibly because they are immense beacons of power and energy. and could also be a show of superior technology, a warning, or even an attempt to safeguard humanity from its own destructive tendencies. With the underlying figuratively and literally incentive to Chuck Schumer's most recent bill amendments on the UAP Act, non human intelligence is to be taken seriously. With the possibility and persistent reference by, around, and outside of Grush, we could be faced with an interdimensional entity of sorts. Given this, is it possible with the detonation of the first nuclear bomb in 1945? Could we have potentially caused damage to another or several dimensions that coexist within ours? And according to David, could we be seeing this crossover effect already? Quote, maybe we're seeing higher dimensional stuff casting a shadow into our world. Quote, this concept is best explained in the 19th century literary classic by Edwin Abbott, Flatland. This novella takes us into a two-dimensional world inhabited by geometric figures, offering us the surreal yet profound exploration of dimensions and the physics of the universe. In the intricate world of Flatland, the inhabitants can only perceive their reality in two dimensions. Picture a world where everything exists on a flat plane, with lines, squares, and other geometric shapes navigating life as flat entities. The protagonist, a square, has a life-changing encounter with a sphere, a being from a three-dimensional world, which opens the square's mind to the existence of dimensions beyond its own comprehension. To really appreciate the genius of Flatland, we must entertain the notion that our three-dimensional perspective, too, might be limited. Just as the square struggled to comprehend the sphere's three-dimensional existence, we too might grapple with understanding entities or phenomena existing in higher dimensions. A UFO swiftly transitioning between our three-dimensional space and a higher dimensional space could potentially explain the sudden disappearances and reappearances reported in many sightings. The physics of higher dimensions might allow for travel at speeds and manners that are inconceivable in our three-dimensional framework. The idea of a higher dimensional space can potentially explain the baffling shapes and structures of UFOs, which often defy our conventional understandings of aerodynamics. These phenomena might be akin to the sphere visiting flatland, manifesting in ways that are utterly bewildering to us limited by our three-dimensional perspective. David Grush is limited in what he can and what he wants to say. He has publicly stated in comments, interviews, and testimony. He is not here to hasten disclosure. It is because of this, his fictional comparisons hold weight. One of the more alarming comparisons, quote, maybe the three-body problem is a way to acclimatize the Chinese population. Quote, the Three-Body Problem by Shishin Liu is a tale that is as much commentary on humanity as it is a deep dive into the complexities of physics. Hold on to your seats. This is a journey of epic proportions. At the very core of The Three-Body Problem lies a tangled web of physics, philosophy, and futuristic speculation. Shishin Lu, a master storyteller, crafts the narrative where we are introduced to a cosmic dance of chaos and order, a performance steered by the intrinsic laws of physics. The original three-body problem in physics is a classical concept, one that describes the complex and often unpredictable motion of three bodies interacting through gravitational force. However, Liu takes this concept a step further The alien civilization is living in a world with three suns that represent the three bodies. The alien world faces an unpredictable and chaotic environment. The gravitational forces between the suns create an unstable one. Our environment with one sun and two bodies is stable and they might want to take a visit or maybe move in. In a world where UFO sightings are becoming increasingly more common, where the lines between science fiction and reality seem to blur, the three-body problem offers what could be similar to Luis Elizondo's notion of a sobering perspective on the potential complexities and dangers of such encounters. It invites us to question the nature of existence and to contemplate vast, often incomprehensible forces that govern our universe. David Grush wants accountability. His job was to find it. When he uncovered rampant corruption and systemic disinformation, he brought it to the attention of his superiors. David believes the Department of Energy is holding back tech that could be beneficial to climate change and our ecosystem. And now that his superiors have failed him, he is holding himself accountable. He has been defamed and he has been disenfranchised from the establishment that he swore to uphold. It is because of this, he holds himself accountable, and it is because of this, he has earned his full-color page in our static, all-flowing, ever-present history. And for that, I am truly grateful. Thank you for joining the WuFO podcast. As always, following these stories is a big, big labor of love. If you can like, subscribe, or rate the show, it would be a great, great help. My name is Handel Farr, signing off.